Good morning. What a lively bunch. Good morning. That's better. Now, those of you that are visiting here this morning, we are in a sermon series on evangelism, and this is our last sermon on that. But today's message is going to be a very, very basic and simple, but yet it's going to be a different kind of message than I've ever preached. Instead of a normal Pentecostal style of preaching, that's kind of a preacher I am. I'm Pentecostal in nature. And we're going to have an illustrated sermon today, so I'm completely out of my comfort zone. So you pray for me. This may be a flop, but if it is, it'll go right along with my message. Amen. Uh, I, by far, am the least creative preacher when it comes to illustrations, but I'm going to do my best here today. Illustrations can become very powerful because they say pictures and images can speak a lot louder than words. And matter of fact, some of my most popular sermons uh, uh, that people have mentioned and remembered over the years are those that have of, of an illustrated nature. And we see in our text that Jesus calls Simon, who soon will become the apostle Peter, and his brother Andrew, and, uh, and, and he calls them into ministry. He calls them out of a lifestyle of catching fish because the scripture tells us that they were professional, professional uh, fishermen. And he calls them to become fishers of men. He changes them from fishing for fish to change them to fish for men. And we see that in verse eight it says, and after they received such an invitation and call that they immediately forsook their nets and they followed him. They immediately done it. They heard his call, they heard his beckoning and they obeyed him. And without going over all the things that we preached in the last five different uh, messages, let me remind us of just a few things again, that we too have been called to be fishers of men. How many are believers in this building today in Jesus Christ? Then you are called to be a fisher of man. You may not be called to preach like I'm called to preach and pastor, but you are called to tell the gospel and to preach the gospel to every creature. The great commandment is to all believers that we are to go out and that we are to preach and teach the gospel to every Every creature. As a matter of fact, that is the Great Commission. The Great Commission of the church is found in the book of Matthew 28, and we quote it all the time, but we need to quote it all the time. And that is because it is the call, the mandate of the church. The Bible says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always even into the end of the world. This is our commission as believer. It is our call. It is our mandate. It's our assignment from God as a church. How many know that you as an individual were saved for purpose? You weren't just saved to miss hell. That is a great reward, but you were saved for the divine purpose of God. And you were saved with an assignment. And that assignment is for you to go out and fulfill the great commission. And to be honest with you, this is the least focused on subject in the church world today. You watch church services. They never hardly ever talk about soul winning. They hardly ever talk about harvest. They hardly ever, they don't even talk about the cross anymore. It's all now a friendly, secretive, sensitive churches where everybody gather in and feels good. This church is not about feeling good. This church has a mission. It has a mandate. It has a calling of God. We're not just gathering here to be a social club. We're not here just to build friendships and find a date. We are here to obey the spirit of the living God and be a church to engage for the purpose of God that his will in heaven will be done on earth through us, his working body. If you agree with your pastor on that, would you give the Lord praise? I'm about to preach. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 
Now, I'm not supposed to be preaching, but I can't help it. That's just who I am. But this tells us that because that it's the least focused on subject, uh, that this tells us that the most important thing to God has become the least important thing to the church around the world, how sad that is. Therefore, the church is misfocused, it's misled, it's misguided, and it's off track, and it's coming short of God's expectation and God's desire. I don't want that. When God looks down on the pile of surprise, I'm going to say, well, I want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Enter into the joys of the Lord today. I think one of the reasons that we do not see the power of God on display and manifested like we did in the days of old is because we've not obeyed him in our calling. We've not obeyed him in our assignment. A matter of fact, God anoints his calling. A matter of fact, did you know the anointing is in the calling because the word anointed means called. If you're anointed, you're called. The word anointed also means to be set apart for a specific task, empowered for a specific purpose. God says, I've anointed this church for a specific task. I've empowered this church for a specific purpose. And if you want the empowerment, and if you want the anointing, then you gotta get into what he's anointed and what he's called you to do. This tells me that the anointing and the empowerment of the spirit follows the calling that the power of the spirit Spirit is in the calling. And this is the reason that we fail to see the manifestations of the Spirit because the main focus of the church is on everything everything else except the calling to the harvest. I hear God just calling to the harvest. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest will send labors in this field. He's praying for us to be engaged in the harvest. We have misdirected zeal and unbridled passion in the church world today and we as a church as a whole around the world are failing to meet the true calling of the church because I'm here to tell you that if we were doing what God said to do, there wouldn't be any empty pews in here today. I'm just being honest with you, and I'll tell you why I believe that here in a minute. When, when, but, when we ha, but when we get misdirected, what happens is we forget about, we can forget about seeing the signs and wonders and divers miracles about, uh, in the services because we gotta get about our Father's business. If we get about our Father's business, the glory will come down. I said the glory will come down. Everybody wants revival. Well, if you want revival, then get in the harvest because God will anoint you and when you get in the harvest and when you do the call, the glory of God will hit this place and I'm here to tell you there'll be nothing that can stop us from reaching our city. I'm ready to reach Popper Bluff for the glory of God. I don't know about you. And not only this region, but I, I'm, I believe God wants to make the Pounce of Praise a world impact church. Come on, does anybody believe what I'm preaching here today? Hey, we're, we're not just gonna affect Missouri. How, how about affecting not only Missouri, but how about affecting Illinois? And how about affecting Kentucky? Come on, all around the country. Why not from sea to shining sea that the palace of praise will be known for the glory of God that sits upon this hill? Can I have an amen? As a matter of fact, Acts 5 and 32 says, and we are witnesses of these things, and so also is the Holy Ghost whom God has given to them that obey him. God gives the Holy Spirit to them that obey. That when we walk out in obedience, the Holy Spirit comes. Hallelujah. And if we are not having the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, then what are we doing wrong? We have to examine ourselves. As we said last week, going to give a little repetition here. Uh, as we said last week, the command that Jesus gave his disciples before leaving them was the command to win the harvest. That was his last command. The one, some of his most important words before he left. 
And sharing our faith isn't just a suggestion as we said last week. It is a command just like thou shall not fill in the blank. Thou shall not steal. Thou shall not commit adultery. Thou shall not lose the Lord thy God's name in vain. We would never think about doing that. We obey those commands. Why don't we obey the command of Jesus? Do we not see it's a command? Listen to what Ezekiel chapter three, this is convicting, starting with verse 17 says, down to 19. Son of, men, son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning for me. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked ways, to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity because you've not shared nothing with him. But his blood will I require upon your hands. And then listen to what he says, but yet if thou warn the wicked and he turn not from his wickedness nor from the wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, it's gonna kill him, but thou hast delivered the show and you're not gonna be found guilty. If there's one thing that I know is when you really look at this, this is how serious God views the call and the mandate of his church. We are supposed to be the working body of Jesus. He's the head, we're to be the body. He sets the agenda, not us. And we, the body of Christ, the church, could actually stand in judgment for not preaching or witnessing or telling someone about their transgression and their sin. As a matter of fact, my goal this morning is to show you some simple, basic things about how to become fishers of men. It's very basic, very simple. It's an ABC thing. This is a first grade thing. When Jesus wanted to get a point across, many times he would paint word pictures or he'd give illustrations as an object lesson to get his point across. He used a seed of corn. He used a grain of wheat. He used money as an object lesson with Caesar's subscription upon it. He used bread. He used the grain of a mustard seed. Many, many things. We could go on and on how Jesus would use those as examples and pictures. And today, I want to complete, compare the technique of fishing to catching men or to winning souls. There are many different techniques of fishing, mainly due to the fact there are many different variety of fish. There's not... You know, there's many, many, many varieties of fish. One bait does not fit all, and certainly one style of fishing doesn't fit all. And this is why there has to be diversity in a body of Christ. Amen. you uniquely created. I'm uniquely created, but we're different. And the reason why that we're different is that some fish will respond to me and some won't. Some will like my personality over your personality, and some will like your personality over my personality. There's a, in order to have a global church, a mature church, there has to be all kinds of diversity in the church. And in order to have diversity, we gotta be mature. Because most churches, you know why they're small in nature? Because they won't let anybody that is not like them inside. And they're always right and everybody else's approach is wrong. They're judgmental, they're critical, and because everybody don't do the things or think the way that they think and do the things that they do, everybody's wrong and we're right. There is no one single approach, folks, when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's variety of fish and we need diversity in the body of Christ. Diversity is good. I said diversity is good. The hymnals is good. Contemporary is good. Old wineskins are necessary. Young not wineskins are necessary. Well, let me get off of that. That's going over like a lead balloon here today. But one bait does not fit all. And there's also the fact that you have to prepare for fishing. Can I have an amen? You know, you don't just get up one day and say, well, I think I'll go fishing today and just take off without making the proper preparations. 
You got to know what kind of fishing you're going to do. You got to get the right kind of bait. You got to know where you're going. You got to have poles. You got to have your gear. You know, you got to have the proper tools, the proper fishing gear, which is determined by the type of fishing that you're going to do because there's all kinds of different ways and different types of ways to fish. To be successful fishermen, to be a successful fisherman, you don't just need to shoot from the hip. You got to study. You got to put thought into your process. So therefore, let me say this. Fishing is intentional. It's intentional. And there is an intentional pursuit to catching even fish when I go fishing. I have never seen someone go out and come in with fish that didn't intentionally go out and get those fish. Can I have an amen? When we go down on the river, we used to go down there every spring for about three or four nights. We had to make up our lines. We had to get our hooks. We had to get our bow. We had to get it. Well, I mean, there was a lot, of, and a lot of people don't like going with this. It's a lot of work. You know what happens? My sons, they, they were smart. We would do all the work and get down there and set it all up and get all the food and the grub and everything. Then they'd come down and, and they'd want to run the lines. I'd say, hey, you suckers, you wasn't the one that put the line out. Amen? They wanted the reward without putting any effort into it. And that's kind of where the church world's at a little bit. They want rewarded. They want people to come in, but they don't want to put any effort into it. It's work. Can I have an amen? Fish didn't just rain out of us. Clouds are flopping to that. Everybody says, it rains fish. I've never seen it rain fish. Come on, somebody. In order to catch fish, you have to intentionally go after them. They're not just going to come in. We want our church filled. It's not going to come in. Just come in. We got to go out and get them. We got to bait them. Can I have an amen? You study the best time to go fishing. You get the best bait. You hear what the fish are biting on. You look at the seasons and the time. But one of the most popular ways of fishing for men is personal soul winning, which involves individual witnessing. That's the most popular, probably one of the most effective ways. And this is where a person takes upon himself to share his testimony and his faith to another person. This is seen in what I call rod and reel fishing. Amen? I started to say that was supposed to be their cue. But you know, I'm dealing with a little bit less crazy guys here today. Amen? Now boys, I got a pole out and I can tell you I have not got a bite and this, they tell me that the Palace Pond is a very active pond and very energetic. It's deader than a doornail today, boys. Hey, John, that's not in the script. And why did you give him a bump for, buddy? That's don't ab-lib here. This is my sermon. Can I have an amen? But it's in the most, you know, the rod and reel is what we call reeling for fish. Rod and reel fishing is the most popular style of fishing. It's what Jesus really wants us to do more than any of the other. And it is most rewarding and then certainly the most challenging. It is the most rewarding because it, it, it was you as an individual that God used in order to get somebody saved. There is no greater feeling than for a person to lead another person and introduce that individual to Jesus Christ. One of my greatest thrills is me praying someone through into the kingdom. That is the greatest reward a preacher or a Christian could ever have. It's for us individually to be able to throw out, grill in somebody, and for us to be able to present the gospel in a way that they get saved. There is nothing like reeling that fishing for yourself. So winning can be so much fun. And let me tell you, how many of you, when you go fishing, love to get a fish on your line? Come on, somebody. You like to reel him in. I enjoy reeling people in. It's one of my, I tell you, I just eat it up. 
And even, and even if I have problems catching a fish, have you ever had problems catching a fish? I, I, I still love the challenge of hooking that fish and as it tries my bait. I like to sit there and watch them nibble and I'll jerk and I'll nibble and I'll jerk. And when I go down in the sloughs of Dudley where I like to fish, there's an old part of the St. Francis River that is cut off and a farmer owns it and he don't let anybody in there but me. And I got that whole place to myself and my kids. And them fish are just in there by the grabs. And we go down there, and me and John, we love to go down there during when the grinnel is really running. And he likes to catch them just for fun because of the fight. And let me tell you, when you get out there and them gar get to nibbling at your bait, it's a challenge. Them gar can challenge you. They'll pick up your line and move it, and you'll think you're getting a bite. Well, you got to learn them. And someone like me has fished in them most long enough, I learned them, and I can feel them. And right when they make their mistake, wham! And you know, there's a lot of people playing around with the gospel, and they're manipulating, and they think they're just giving you a little, but I want to tell you, they'll end up getting a hold of that bait in their mouth, and when they do, you'll set that hook. Can I tell you an amen? They may play with it for a little while, but the playtime gets over. It's like old Shirley Caesar when she sings that song about mama. They'd go out and they'd play church and, and they'd get out there and begin to preach and they'd play and Aaron, the brother, was a, a member and, the, and uh, the sister was a member and Shirley was the preacher. You might have heard the old song. And, and they would begin to preach and they'd come and get saved and they would go through this playing. And one day old Shirley got out there shouting and speaking in tongues and jumping all over the ground and a little sis went in and said mama said Shirley's out there disgracing God she's playing two four and she looked out and said no Shirley ain't playing this time honey and I want to tell you there'll be a lot of fish that may be nibbling at your bait you may not think you're going to be successful but you hang in there because the gospel has the power to reach them can I have an amen hallelujah don't give up on them hallelujah I love to see people under that old time conviction. I just, you know, when I see that, they get squirmy, they get irritable. Sometimes they can get plain old mean. And when they get mean, they say, oh no, what's wrong with old Joe? I can tell you what's wrong with him. He's under conviction. And you know what it's time to do? <laughs> Throw a little bit more bait. Come on, somebody. It's time when the conviction's there to go after them. Go after them with everything that's within them. I, I love to go after people that's under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things about rod and reel fishing is you have to be patient. Sometimes you have to just be plain old long suffering. I've never seen someone drive several miles, get their, get their pole out and throw it out and not catch nothing for the first five or six cranks and then say, well, I'm done. But you know what? That, what's, what's so bad about that? That's what the church world seems to be doing. There's one thing I have learned after throwing bait for a good specific amount of time. And let me say that is that as you keep throwing that bait, you got to stay there long enough in order to catch the fish. I've never seen someone go to the lake and just, I'm done after a few. Is Rick, is Rick um, Kirby here today? Rick, are you here? Was you able to come this morning? He, he's taking care of his mother. Is he here? I want to tell you, 36 years, I threw the lifeline at that man. I preached, I cried, I counseled, I loved, I served him and his family. I'd done everything that I knew to do. And 36 years, 36 years, last Sunday morning, he gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ right here. <laughs> 36 years. 36 years. 
I just kept working at it and working at it. It took 36 years. Don't give up on the harvest. It's ripe, it's ready. Can I have an amen? There's one thing I've learned also after throwing a bait for a good specific time. If there's no takers for a while, it's not a time to quit fishing like churches do. I tried. I knocked on that door and they hurt my feelings. I locked on that door and they rejected me. I locked on that door and they ignored me. You know what we do? We just quit. Well, well, I tried that guy. I want to tell you, you'll never catch fish if you have that kind of an attitude. There may be times that if you keep throwing that same bait, throwing that, it's time to change baits. John, have you caught anything? You talk about me being a bad fisherman. Amen? I think it's time for y'all to change some bait. You have to find out what fish is attracted to. Amen? And if there's one thing that is for sure, fish are unpredictable and moody. Do I have an amen? Hey, we're talking about people here, folks. Look at some. <laughs> I just seen a wife slap some, her husband almost. I don't know what he said to her. But fish are unpredictable and they're moody. When they, I, I've got crappie in my pond and you go down there and you can catch a crappie or two, but if you make too much noise, boom, it's over, it's done. Can I have an amen? But one of the things for sure my dad taught me this, that what a fish may bite on one week or one day or one year may not be the same bait that they bite on the next. I'm being honest with you. What maybe Bill Marvin bites on may not be the same thing that Steve bites on. They're two different fish. They like two different things. Can I have an amen? And I want you to understand something about catching fish. Is that my dad one time, was he liked a fly rod, catch bluegill. Anybody know how to fish like that? I didn't bring the fly rod. I got his old fly rods. We'd go to the lake and we would do fly rod fishing. And man, you know, he'd catch a share of fish, but one time an old man made him some, uh, made him some, <laughs> made him some jigs. And man, when he took that jig up there, he just tore them fish up. I'm talking just slaughtered them. He'd go back up there and slaughter them again. And the people all around there on Shawnee Landing where they camped, they had had a big kind of a community that was gathered there. Bill, how are you doing that? He said, man, this old man made me a jig. It was called a black road runner or something like that. And he said, man, can you get him to make us some? He said, yeah. And so he had this old man make them some. And they all started tearing the bluegill up. That went on for several years. And then one day, Dad said, man, you know what? The bluegill population or something at the lake has just fell off. And that old man heard him say that. And that old man said, no. Are you still using them old same uh, lures I'm aging? He said, yeah. He said, you got to change bait. He said, it's time. They learn it. They lose interest in it. He said, you're talking about a big lake. He said, I don't care. Let me make you something else. He made five different lures, gave them to him, and dad threw and threw and threw. Finally, he found one. It was black with a red dot with a white little tail on it, and it started tearing the fish up again. And let me tell you, what I was saved on in the 1980s is not what this generation is going to be saved on in 2022. Everybody don't like the change of the church. The church has to change in order to win the generation in which they're ministering to. We gotta quit being so out there. Everybody says, well, I don't like this new style. Get over it. We've had our day. We got reeled in. It's not about us. It's about the harvest. 
Can I say amen to that? It's not about our thrills. Come on, we gotta be more mature than that. It's about what can I do? How can I change? I've seen 80-year-old men at Phoenix in a church being cheerleaders. You ought to have seen it as the most hilarious thing in the world. And then people were pumping prime and they were doing all kinds of contemporary things in order to reach a new generation because they knew that the bait that they were saved in in the 1950s and 60s was outdated, that this generation would no longer bite into that kind of a, of a, of a, a food process to bring them in. You got to change the date, a bait. Rod and real fishing could be more effective than most because... Most of the time, you can cast your bait in the most unlikely and hard places and dangle that bait right in front of their mouth. You can just dangle it and they'll grab it, man. Pow! And matter of fact, if you see an old log or something, you throw, you know, the big thing is, uh-oh, we got, a, we got a fish. Hey, we got a fish. Woo! Give it, hey, we just got one. Can you give the Lord praise? Now, 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 let me just show you something. Let me just show you what happens. You, did you see what happened? John caught a fish over there. Sam was fishing over, where did Sam go to? Isn't that just like somebody, you catch a fish and here comes everybody, right? Where, what do you use for bait? Let me get right in there. Amen. In other words, catching fish that you do inspires others to catch fish. It's okay that they want to come and fish in your pond with you. Let them. Take someone with you. Teach them how to catch fish. Amen. John had the first catch, and I thought, huh, I wonder who's going to get the first catch. They're changing bait again. Amen. But it's it's one-on-one when you're riding real fishing. You've got the fish's complete attention. It's just you and him. There's no outside distractions. And regardless of what kind of fish it is, The allurement of the fish is the bait. What is the bait? It's the different presentations of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's your way and your style, your method. Come on. Has Sam got him a take? Ah, he got him one. Come on, let's have a rejoicing time. I think John's got a big fish back there somewhere, amen? They're gonna do that for just a little bit longer, but for the next type of fishing, I'm gonna have to have some volunteers. Can I have about six or eight people right up here, please? Six or eight, just jump up. Don't matter if you're old, young, don't matter. Beautiful, ugly, it don't matter. Just kind of right here in front of me. Come on over. Everybody kind of bunch up there together. I, I need three or four more, come on. Can I have some kids? Can I have a few kids? Come on, Remy May. Kind of get a little bit closer there. Just just a little bit, not much, you know. I mean, come on, no, you don't have to go nowhere. Oh, he's getting another fish with it. That's good, that's good. Amen. But there's another type of fishing called seining. And believe me, I have done my share that my dad has put me in every evil place you can ever imagine to sane for fish. Uh, if you don't know anything about seining, you can get into a lot of trouble because there's a lot of serpents when you try to sane fish. And when you get a serpent in the seine, what me and my dad always tried to do is run the serpent toward the other guy. Amen? In other words, when you go for fishing, get expected for warfare. Now, I want you to know the seine uh, that I have over here, it represents people 
that are in trouble. And let me tell you, this thing was created to get fish in a trap body of water, such as ditches, ponds, sloughs, backwaters. This thing here is one of my smallest things that me and my dad had. I brought it. Slow down, boys. You're getting fish. You'll get fish going around you. But the same was created to get these fish that are trapped due to the water, the overflowed, and the, you know, the rivers would get out, it would fill the lowlands, and all of a sudden the water would reside and them fish would get trapped in those holes. And every time that happened, Dad said, let's go get the same boy, the flood's gone. Okay, and me and my dad go see what kind of fish that we could sane up. The fish would either stay there until the next flooding and get away, or they would sit there until the the, the actual fish would die because it, w- it would, it would um, the, dry up and the, there wouldn't be no water and the fish would die. But you know, there are so many people who are, find themselves trapped in life, trapped by circumstances, trials, troubles, tribulations, hardships. And it may be death in a family, it may be a divorce, it may be a sickness, a failure, it may be a failing business, it may be an addiction. Man, are you not enjoying this? If you don't know it, we're creating a family union and they don't even know it. Amen? But this is the time for the church to shine when people are in trouble. Can I have an amen? I want to tell you something. People are receptive to hear the gospel during the times of trouble than more than any other time in their life. The problem with the church is that we seem to want to avoid getting involved or think that we don't have what it takes in order to help them. Can I tell you, when people get in trouble, they're not looking for you to fix their mess. They're looking for someone who cares. They're just simply wanting somebody there with them. They're wanting someone to embrace them, to edify them, to encourage. It's going to be okay, brother. I'm here with you. I'm going to give you what help I can. I may not be able to fix it, but I'm here to undergird you. I'm here to strengthen you. When you're weak, I'm here to bear you up on my burden, on my back, and I'm here to carry you. And that's what saning is. It's going after the troubled fish. When you see somebody in tragedy, it's time to respond. Everybody says, well, I'm just waiting for the proper time. Come on, man. Look out and see a burden. Somebody in an addiction or somebody's house burns, your neighbor has a tornado and it affects their home. Be there. Can I have an amen? It was David that said in Psalms 124 verse four, I looked to my right hand and behold, there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Isn't that a sad, sad verse of scripture? As John Maxwell would say, no one cares how much you know till they know how much you care. The saying cannot only bring in a variety of fish, but they can bring in a bunch of fish at one time. I want to tell you, Wayne Kinsey and their family, I didn't even know them, never met them before in my life. And, uh, one of the people that they worked with came and said, I got a woman at work, they don't have a pastor, her mother has died, would you preach the funeral? I said, sure, I'll help the family out. So I preached that funeral. You know what? I have won the whole entire Kinsey family by just preaching a funeral with somebody in need. The whole family, father, mother, children, uh, uh, grandfathers, had a bunch of their cousins and everything else saved over a funeral. Influence, care, love, compassion is one of the biggest testimonies and witnesses we have as a church. Now one thing about this saying thing is you gotta understand y'all are caught. The gospel got you. Woo, isn't that wonderful? You're saved by grace now. Can somebody rejoice? We got a bunch in this net, amen? But this is a catch and release program. Can I have an amen? Okay, let, let, let back here just a little bit. Here is a beautiful little crappie. Woo, 
best tasting fish. Ain't she pretty? Remy, I want you to do me a favor, okay? Now that you have come into the net of the gospel, go out and get some more fish, okay, later. God bless you. You can be seated. And look, man, look at the size of this fish. I wonder how much that fish weighs. Woo! He's a big fish, but you're a carp. Yeah. There ain't no beauty about you, buddy. But you're profitable and you're necessary and you're important to the gospel. So go out and get some more fish. Look at what a big mouth we got. Woo! He said, that's the pot calling, what did you say? The pot pot calling the kettle black. Oh, yeah. Big mouth. Go get some more fish, buddy. And then we got all these beautiful variety of fish. We got another beautiful crappie over here. You know, that ain't a half bad looking guy. He's, you know, he's a good filet catfish right there, amen. Roger, you're a gar, buddy. Long nose needle gar. And we got us a grinnel over here. And a sucker here. Can I have an amen? Y'all go get other fish. God bless. Give them a hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. But one of the importance that whether it be a crappie, whether it be a gar, whether it be, they're all important and precious in the sight of God. What we view is, ah, he's just a gar. Oh, he's just this. One time I was in a ditch and we were saying, we were using my other saying, which is much, much longer and bigger than that one. I should have brought it. I thought it was longer than that. But we were saying in this ditch and when we got it to the end and brought all the fish out on the sandbar, there was a guy that was sitting up on top of the bridge and he was standing there and uh, he said, hey, what y'all gonna do with them guy? He had a real Southern accent. I said, what'd he say? And he said, I think he asked us what we're gonna do with them gar. My dad said, well, we're gonna throw them out here on the bay. Oh, don't do that, brother. I'd come and get them. And he come and he got a bunch of them gar. And he brought them up on top of that bridge which had a banister on it. And he took them and he just started beating them. I thought, what in the world is this guy doing? And he took a knife and he cut around the edge of it, grabbed hold of the beat, just the hull just come off of it. I thought, man, what a way to clean a gar. I said, what are you going to do then? He said, man, I'm going to cook them dudes and fry them. And I said, well, I've never ate gar. He said, oh, have you ever been on a, have you ever been on a, a, a cruise? I said, no, I haven't never been. Well, if you've been on a cruise ship, you've ate gar. I said, do what? He said, yeah, they're a delicacy. He said, man, when you go on a cruise ship, that's only, a lot of times you're eating gar. They'll clean them dudes and put them on that ship and they'll feed them to their people and the people think they're getting the best fish in the world and they're gar. Sometimes we reject people by their appearance and not understand the real flavor of their lives. Come on, somebody. We judge them on the outward appearance and not the inward part of their heart. And we as a church can become very judgmental and we can label people and put tags on people. Well, that is number 10, and this is a number nine. Can I tell you, we're all number 10s in the eyes of God. There's no trash fish in the kingdom of God. Come on, you ought to make you happy in this house today. Another type of fishing is using a bait cage. John, show them that bait, where you at? Show them that bait cage. We're not gonna put the bait in. If I was gonna put some bait in there, I'd put a ding dong. Amen. 
But a bait cage is used for a specific fish. Now think about this. I want to teach the church something. I'm teaching as well as preaching here today. The fish that is caught in this trap is intentional and it is a certain fish that we're actually going after on purpose. The bait cage is not to be thrown out. It's not to be expected to catch all other kinds of variety of fish, but it's after a certain kind of fish. You're not gonna put a big catfish in that. You're not gonna get him in there because the hole ain't even big enough for him to get in there. But this is when, when you set a trap like this, this is when a certain type of fish is actually targeted. And even though the scripture is concluded that it's God's will that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of truth, we know that whosoever shall, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We know that the gospel is a universal gospel that God wants all people saved. We preached that last week. Amen. There's not a soul that God don't want saved. But even though that is true, yet the purpose behind the bait cage is to catch a specific fish called bait fish. And the bait fish is just that. It is a fish that is used to catch other fish. Now hang on with me. A bait fish is a minnow, a bluegill, a shad, a perch, small one. And it's used to catch bigger fish. When we go down the river, we get these big bluegill and we put on that bluegill and that bluegill brings in about a five to any 30 pound flathead. Hallelujah. Can I have an amen? And this represents the hardness of a grandfather or the stubbornness of a father or a non-interested mother that is rejecting and ignoring the gospel after your throat and your throat, the grandfather won't hear, the mother won't hear, the dad won't hear. So then the cage bait is used. This is a believer going after the grandfather's grandchildren and the mother and father's children on purpose. Notice this, if you catch the grandkids and the children, then you have about a 90% chance to reel in the rest of the family. Can I have an amen? You can actually intentionally go after the children in order to win the family. This isn't to say that children isn't important by themselves, they are, but I wanna tell you something, children cannot fund the kingdom of God, they don't have jobs. The church has gotta have adults. Come on, somebody help me preach. I've seen people put all of their budget toward children's ministry, which is wonderful, but the problem of it is they can't sustain it because they don't have enough adults coming in paying tithes in order to do ministry. You gotta get adults somewhere along the line. You gotta have leaders. But also, years ago in America, it used to be the parents' determination of where the family would go to church, but now in the 21st century, it's the children determining where that family's gonna go to church. If them children are happy, guess what? That's where mom and dad's gonna go. That's where grandpa's gonna go, amen? You know what, I have seen more people won by watching a grandson or a son get baptized or a daughter and mom and dad's just hearts melt because that kid's testifying of a salvation in Jesus Christ. Amen? So our, our ministry right here is important. Children have powerful influence. They can be quite, perspe- quite persuasive in the deciding of the home or where they're going to church. And we have a bait cage around here. It's a good bait cage. It's called Mike Lampkin. Amen? We view children's ministry so important that we have a full-time children's minister that his main goal and his main purpose is to do nothing but to minister to the children. Visit them at school, visit them when they're sick, going to the hospital, calling them, having lock-ins, going to have a party. They does everything in the world with them kids. Why? Because he's catching bait. Can I have an amen? 
Number four, another way of fishing is what we call net casting. That's the hardest one of all. We haven't threw this net in a while. We lost the one that we had. Jonathan's been up here practicing and he has made a mess of things. So John, you and Sam go over here and start casting this net and see what you can catch. But a net is where you cast it over a body of water and it's to catch big sums of fish at one time. We'd rather do that. This represents revivals, camp meetings, awakenings, and special services such as like real men's rally, girlfriend's connection, kingdom encounters. During these special services, the gospel net is cast through the preaching and it is designed together in the harvest of those that's sitting on the pews. And this is why it's so important to be faithful, dedicated, and commitment to your church agenda and its ministries. Multitudes, listen, everybody look here for a minute. Hey, you didn't do too bad. But listen to me, multitudes generate excitement. Multitudes generate energy. But a half-filled building, or a, it sets a stone-cold atmosphere that brings death and stagnation. Whatever you put into a service is what you're gonna get out of it, and it's called a snowball effect. And it can be represented in decline or increase, bad or good. You know what, there's one thing I know, you get a momentum going and a snowball going down, that thing just creates a bigger ball and a bigger ball. We want to be that on the positive. In other words, this week we want 600, next week we want 700, next week we want 800. We want a snowball effect in the increase. But you never want 500 this week, 400 the next week, 300 the next week, because you know what happens, it's a snowball effect. And whatever atmosphere you have determines the amount of fish is going to be receptive to your beck and call of casting the net. Can I have an amen? That now, y'all are cutting down on me. This is how important your attendance and support is to the furthering of the gospel by fishing for men by casting the net. It's not just the preacher casting the net when we have revival. It's not just the event. It's this whole congregation making a statement. It's you're here saying, I believe in this. I'm a part of this. Come on, somebody. Some will say, well, I'll be there in the spirit. Hogwarts, don't give me that. Don't ever say that to me. You'll get me mad at you. Spirits and good intentions never contribute anything to a service. Can I have an amen? We need the body of Christ fully activated and faithful when we're doing what we call net casting at the church and in the ministries of the church. Attendance and support is one of the most important things during casting a net. Fish attract fish. People attract people. Crowds generate crowds and emptiness creates, creates deterioration. Revival needs to be prayed over, pushed, advertised, attended, and broadcasted by this local body. People are to be advertising for this church constantly. All of the bad that's put on, put on social media, if you place all that bad with good about bragging about your church, my goodness, what would we have? Come on, somebody. Instead of complaining about your set of circumstance, why don't you give God some glory? Maybe things will change because out of the mouth, life and death is spoken. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. We've caught a lot of fish like that right there, believe it or not. This is why that you look at church's yearly calendar and your planned events and so that you can make sure that your church has priority over your secular activities. Look at the calendar and say, you know what, we can't... I don't really want to go there this week because look at what the church is doing. Be committed to your church. Let me, it's crucial that we be faithful and committed to 
the net casting of the church. Let me just give you some. September 17th, girls, girls friend, girlfriend connection. Ah. September 25th, Shay Hughes is coming in in the AM and the PM service. October the 9th, Andre Francil's coming back, AM, PM. October the 16th, John Jacobs, the power force, never had him. 20 some years, never felt lab. It's gonna be different. It ain't gonna be like what we expect. But they're coming in in the AM and the PM service. December the 11th through the 14th, a night to remember the sounds of Christmas. We gotta be effective, we gotta be there. We gotta support those things. Number five, another way of fishing is a trammel net. You see it over here to my right. It's a long net. This long net beside me is what you call the trammel net. This net is designed to catch a bunch of fish, big fish. That's what this one's designed for big fish. And if I could get all the fish that this net has caught, I don't know that I could put them in this building, and I'm serious about that. You cannot believe how many fish this net has caught. This net is at least 70 years old and maybe older. My grandfather even used it. My father used it as a young boy. And uh, this net has been everywhere in southeast Missouri and Black River Bottoms in Arkansas and every slough, backwater, swamp, you, that, this net's been there. I remember one time they were in All Red Lake, down by Needleville, never been to that lake. It was in the 1930s, so that net's over 70 years old, or 1940s, something like that. And my grandfather and a bunch of them guys when my dad was little took this net and they seen a big two or three treetops that fell right in the water together. They'd washed off a bank. And they put this net from one end and went all the way around, all the way to the other side of the bank around that treetop. And then they told my dad and a few boys, get in there and jump on that treetop. And they did, and fish just started going out there like they, they filled a 16-foot John boat completely full of fish out of that treetop by that net. Amen. This net has been everywhere. The memories that this net brings back for me is just priceless. Probably never use it again because it's a lot of work and I'm getting older. John said, let's put that thing out. I've never seen that thing that I said. <laughs> you don't know the work that's behind it. But the hours, the nights, both good and bad, and me running this net with my dad. I have seen us, in my lifetime, fill boats up. We would go and run it twice a night. Early, we'd set it out, and then we'd go and we'd run it, and we'd fill the boat half full almost every time, and sometimes completely full of fish. And go back the next morning, it'd be the same way again. And let me tell you, the hours trying to untangle it and the mosquitoes eating at you in the middle of the night in them old swamps. I'm telling you, some of them were the most long, miserable nights of my life. There was sacrifice. There was hard work. And let me tell you, when you go for fishing, it ain't all pleasurable. Sometimes it's work. Sometimes it's denying yourself. Sometimes you're going places you don't want to go. My dad has put me in swamps, and I said, Dad, please, don't, let's don't go down there. Please, no, come on, boy, we're going we're gonna to fish. And, and some of the places that we've had to, you, you know, and when you're laying it down, you don't know if there's a log under there. If there's a log under there, can't jump in, go down the bottom, move that log. Here we go in the old swamp trying to move the log. And, and, and then at night, all, have you ever been in southeast Missouri in the swamps? At night? Son, you can't even blink your eyes without getting a mosquito in it. Horrible. Yet at the same time, the, even though there's hardship, there's sacrifice, there's work, 
At the same time, the haul of the fish made it so exciting and fun because you never knew what to expect, what you were going to get out of that net. One of the things you got to, you know, I got it, got it tangled up down there and I didn't take the time to get it untangled, but you'd take these poles that are longer than this and you'd drive them way down in the mud and you'd stretch that thing as tight as you could get it because when fish would run in it, they would twist like this and if it wasn't tight, they'd, they'd tangle it all up. It took you forever to get the fish out. And, and so you wanted it real, real tight. But what was so exciting is when you come by, get in the boat and you head towards it and you see this net doing this. You knew you had a load of fish. But what was depressing is when you seen this pole pulled over and you knew there was slack in that net. And let me tell you, when you're casting your net, we don't need any slack. It has to be done with passion. It has to be done with anointing. It has to be done in enthusiasm because I want to tell you something. If you don't have those three ingredients, the fish that you're fishing for knows whether or not you're real. Don't waste your time if you don't have the passion doing it. They know whether you're real or not. Can I have an amen? Come on, somebody. Your passion has to outweigh your sacrifice. Oh, you're never going to do any kind of so with it. You got to have a passion for this thing. Though it, wor- though it was work, it was rewarding. And though you were fishing for fish, sometimes you would catch a turtle. There's been 50-pound turtles in that net right there. Try to get one of them out of there. Sometimes you have to cut the turtle in pieces. And I'd, let me, and I'd reach up there to cut the net and want to repair it later. No, no, my dad would not let me cut that net. If it takes us to sunrise, son, we're going to get them fish and them stuff out of there. You're not cutting that net. <sighs> and let me tell you, there's no part of the gospel that you need to cut out. I put some thought into this sermon. A lot of symbolisms. You don't cut out any of the gospel in order to please a fish. The gospel can speak for itself. The length and the design of this net is used to block off the travel limit of the fish. So they'd swim. We got sloughs where we'd put it on the bank of one and go all the way across to the bank of the other. And if there's any activity in that slough, you're going to catch them big fish. Because they're going to swim into that thing. And when they do, they're going to get caught. In order to catch fish, you have to go where the fish are at. This net represents the workplace, the bowling alley, the ball game, the fishing bank, the golf course, the entertainment center. The problem is, now let me just say this, and don't get mad at me at this. One of the most discriminated people in the harvest, you know who they are? They're the rich. We're intimidated to go after them because usually they're career people smart, intelligent, college people. So we feel intimidated, we feel inferior, or we get judged, ah, oh, they're just going after the money people. And we allow the judgment of the world and the judgment of the church to stop us from doing our assignment. And let me tell you, if the church is gonna go anywhere in the kingdom, it's gotta have money. You need career people. You need to have some people that can give big money when you're wanting to do big things for the kingdom of God. Are you shutting down on me over that? It's the truth. We go, it's nothing for us to get the saint out and go after troubled people. Oh, that's who we are at the palace. 
we love it, we love it, we love it. Hallelujah, and we need to do that as all we can. Fill this place up. But the problem of it is, it's just like what Tommy Barnett said out in his church. He said, we go out and we get the street people, but there's a limit of how much we can handle because when they come in, you gotta have enough people that's able to disciple them and you gotta have enough money to operate the church. A lot of people don't have jobs. They're not assets at first until you disciple them. He said, they're a liability. You have to give to them. You have to help them. And there's so much you can do if you don't have the financing and the backing of the church. If the church is not strong, you cannot do ministry at its fullness. So the people, this net represents the big fish, the career people, the working people, the ones that's got jobs. And they are in the area and arena of the community. They're community fish. The net represents the gospel. And you know, one of the things that I have found out is that even though we do go to the workplaces, we go to the bowling alleys, we go to the ball games, we go to the fishing banks, the golf courses, the entertainment centers, and we're supposed to build relationships with people, and that's what we're all about. We're to set, and we're trying to win them to the Lord. But the problem is we attend such things, but the truth of the matter is we really never set the net. We go to the internet, we, we, we end up letting golf take over us instead of the real reason of why we're there. John Sell, stand up. You know how I want him to the Lord? Southeast Missouri fishing. I got my boat and I called it visitation. And people say, where's the pastor? He's on visitation. And I have men like that, pouring into them, loving on them. That is what I'm talking about. The problem of it is the net represents the gospel. And I'm afraid too often they make us country clubbers instead of us making them kingdom lovers. Instead of us changing them, they change us. There's a difference in a moral man and a spiritual man, folks. There's a lot of moral people gonna go to hell. And let me tell you, here's the temptation of the 21st century. Fit in, be a part of the elite. Be in the crowd, be successful, be a catalyst, be a mover, be a shaker, be important, be something. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. As long as you remain spiritual and don't let it just be a life of morality. You gotta be that person and still be able to be bold enough to be spiritual and have a net casting in your life and be able to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to your friends. Can I have an amen? We don't need to just entertain, visit, build friendships. We need to get people saved. And you cannot get the people saved without the, pre- without the presentation of the gospel. Amen? You cannot win people without preaching, without sharing, without teaching, without just telling them your story, tell them your testimony. Amen? We fellowship, we entertain, we communicate, but many times we avoid of the gospel, the net is never set, the net is never cast. It is the gospel that convicts, convinces, and converts. Bible says in Psalms 19 and seven, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. And what was it Paul said in Romans 1:16 that we quoted last week? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Can I have an amen? Mark 16, 15, go you know all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What does Matthew 24, 14 say? And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached all around the world for a witness. It's the gospel that brings the witness to Jesus Christ. And then the end time shall come. 
The gospel net must be cast before we can catch fish. The net is, this net is 70, 80 years old, like I said, I don't know how many years, but I have found out something. That thing's 80 years old probably. But you know what? It still catches fish. And the same it is with the gospel. Let me say it without apology. The gospel is not outdated. It has not lost its effectiveness, nor has it lost its relevance. The gospel does not need to be revised, updated, modernized, or redone. Can I have an amen? Amen. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and the spirit and all the joints of the moral, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. As a matter of fact, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture, say all scripture, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. 2 Peter 1.21, for, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved upon by the Holy Spirit. I love what John 6.63, Jesus said, these words I speak unto you, their spirit, their life. Jesus himself said in Matthew 24.35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. First Peter 1, 24, 25, for all f- flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass wither and the flower fadeth, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. The gospel is good news. The only news whereby men can be saved. We have to cast a net, tell our story, give our testimony. We always talk about the power of the snare of the enemy. I preached on that just here recently about those that are hurting or wounded or in the snare. We talk about the power of the devil's deception, his cleverness and his deceitful, seductive ways. And we almost glorify him to the point, ooh, man, he's powerful. But can I tell you, how about the power of God to save? How about the power of the word, the power of the gospel? Can I tell you here today that there isn't a pit too deep, there's not a chain too strong, there's not an addiction too powerful that the gospel cannot free you from? Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. Hallelujah. Number six, there's another way to catch or go fishing. I almost said the wrong word there. You ready for it? It's my secret recipe. It's called dynamite. TNT. I think I'll light it and throw it in this crowd and see what people's gonna do. Amen. It's like one time an old man was doing this and a game warden slipped out to him. He said, what are you doing, Joe? I'm fishing. He said, yeah, I've been hearing the blasting. Fish floating everywhere. He said, don't you know that's wrong? The old man sitting there chewing tobacco. He picked him up dynamite and he lit it and he said, you gonna jaw or you gonna fish? <laughs> Needless to say, the game warden went fishing that day. 
This method may be fast, may seem to have instant results, require less work. Preparation is absolutely unnecessary. It's gonna be the most effective in the sense that it seems to get more fish than any other method. It'll do it faster, easier, quicker. It makes big booms, makes big excitements, makes a lot of noise. Sounds like Pentecost, don't it? But the only problem of it is it kills the fish. The harvest don't need a dynamite approach. The harvest doesn't need the gospel crammed down their throats and used as a club. The purpose of the gospel is to catch the fish, not, not kill them, not run them away. The gospel is the good news. It's not always a hell and fire and brimstone approach. Now, I'm not against preaching on hell. Jesus did a lot. But I'm saying there's a right time and you gotta know that time and you gotta be careful because if you're not careful, you'll use a dynamite approach. Instead of doing good, you'll do wrong. Let me show you the results of some of the Miller's fishing successes. Can you put them up? There's just a few of them. I won't keep us time. There's Chaz, my grandson. Hallelujah. They're saying, oh, look, he caught that up at the lake the other day. Just big boy. Is he not excited? There, there's Braylon, my other grandson. There's Ben. Come on. Yeah. There is Jedediah's pride and joy. Little sucker. I've never even caught one that big. Makes me mad. There's John with one of our catfish adventures. There's Braylon. He caught a nice bath. That's my grandson. There's Remy May and her first fish. Whoo! Gonna make me cry. Look how beautiful she is. And there's old Andrew and hit, we'll caught him a bass. And there is me, Tom Gillum, our former state was Sarah Russell Cunnett, John Zells, and me. Caught us a nice flathead. We had a good time. And let me tell you something about catching fish. There's such rewards. Let me tell you about a good reward. Let me show you a reward. Chuck, come here. I like picking on you, Chuck. Now, there is rewards in catching fish. Stay right, about right there. I don't want you too close to me. You may tackle me. You want to see the rewards of fishing? All right, gotta have a hush puppy with it. Maybe a little biscuit. So, are you sure gotta have something to choke that thing down? Hmm. I think the sermon's about to be over. Chuck, you're nothing but an old gar, unregenerated gar. You're a cannibal. That's wrong. You say, well, you're a cannibal. You're eating. No, there's a difference between me and you. You're a gar and you're unregenerated. I'm a catfish and saved. So this is caught to go into ministry. That fish didn't die in vain. He's going in the ministry. Would you like to have a piece? Sorry, sucker. <laughs> Ain't happening. Give him a hand. 
Man, that is good, guys. I'm not kidding you. If I spit out a little food, the perch will get it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> now, let me show you my heart. Some of the palace's fishing successes. This is on Ninth and Cedar, of course. The earliest part of our church. Look at it, has it started growing? Me and Brother Lawrence baptizing somebody, and I can't remember who it was. There's our choir. Come a long way, baby, haven't we? There's our picnics. Just showing you just a variety of stuff. There's the breaking ground of the palace. Look at that. That's what was every Sunday in our church. I'm here to tell you folks. The next thing that comes up is the heartbeat to everything that we're going to know about the harvest. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Huh. I'm not the best illustrator in the world, I know that. You, you could have got done a better job. When I think of all the fish that that caught and my dad and him gone and dead, it brings back memories and I want to cry. But the ministry, the memories of 35 years of casting the gospel net and the amount of people that have come and given their life to Jesus Christ is overwhelming. I thank God that the gospel is still powerful. I thank God that God can still save to the uttermost by him, talking about Jesus, who sits at the right hand of God, whoever liveth to be our intercessor. The power of the gospel, you look at people and they, they're, they're impossible people. Your love, your kindness, your compassion will go a long ways, but that in itself will not go far enough. They gotta hear the gospel. They gotta hear your story. You might not be able to present a message like I present a message. Tell them your story. Tell them how you were saved. Tell them how the Holy Ghost got a hold of you. Just, just tell them your story. And I ask you a bunch of questions, deep theological. I don't know, let's go to church and we'll find those answers out. We'll find them out together. It's like the blind man, when they tried to, Trap Jesus, and they ask him, did Jesus do this? He says, all I know, I was blind, but now I see. That's all I know. I know it was him, and I know all I know. I don't know how he done it. Don't know why he done it. Don't have all the answers to all of that as of right now, but I can tell you, I was blind, but now I see. I hold in my hand a fishing license from the palace of praise. 
and it says residents of the kingdom of God. Then you got a signature, it's only valid, only valid for kingdom people, and it's, if you don't sign it, it's ineffective. And then it goes on and says, by accepting this license, I certify that I believe it's my responsibility to fulfill the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Palace of Praise Fishing of Men Commission issued this date, July 31st, 2022. The agent is the Holy Spirit and the price is eternity. I got these and these are commitment cards that you as a member, that you as a believer are gonna try to do all you can to be fisher of men. And you got a license to do so because you're getting commissioned here today. I'd like for you to stand with me if you would. You're gonna blunder, you're gonna make mistakes. It's okay, God's bigger than your mistakes. And I wanna tell you, God will even use your mistakes to speak volume to people. He'll show them their humanity. It's not gonna run people off when you're really trying the only thing you don't need to do is be sarcastic, superior, and go out there with a dynamite approach and try to kill somebody and club them with the gospel. It's got to be presented in love. Truth can hurt, truth can cut, but it don't have to destroy. It don't have to kill. And if there's anybody here under the sound of my voice this morning, we want to rejoice with you. If you're not saved, I've been throwing bait at you. Maybe you're here this your sixth time, second time, first time. Maybe you've been here for a year and you've heard all the different messages and we throw different kinds of messages, different kinds of bait. We've done different kinds of things. And the reason we do that, it's all about you. We prepare, we pray, we study, we try to find the heart and the mind of God for each service for one reason and one reason over because there's somebody that we're throwing bait at. Somebody that's in despair, somebody that you may be saned in, you may be individually reeled in, you may be caught in a net, you may be caught in a trap, you might be a bait fish. You say, well, I'm so rough. There's rough fish, they call them rough fish. And yet that fish is so vitally important to God's economy. <laughs> I love everybody in here. I don't care how you're saved. I don't care if it's individually. I don't care if it's through the net. I don't care if it's through the trap. I don't care. All I care is that you come into the kingdom. It's not about bragging rights. Look at the fish I caught. It's not about that. It's about look at the fish that was caught. And we brag on you and we'll applaud you and we'll love you in the kingdom. And I'm asking you this morning, if you're not saved, I want you to be the first one up here. Would you come? We're gonna have a catch and release program. We're gonna pray for you to be saved and then we're gonna commission you to go out and get your brothers and sisters and grandpa and grandma and friends. Amen, that's what we're all about. Because I tell you what, when you come up here and get saved, it don't matter what you've done in your past, from that day forward, that past is gone. It's cleansed. It's over with. God throws it in the sea of forgetfulness, never to remember it ever again. Amen. You're a neat creature in Christ when you get saved. Old things passed away, all things become new. 
forgiven. He'll forgive us of all of our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we come to him. Aren't you thankful? Is there anybody here this morning that would like to be saved? We're here, we're gonna applaud you. This isn't, this, this is a good time. I want you to come and swim into a net. I want you, I'm casting a net right now. Can I catch you today? I'll be the one up here to embrace you. Would you come? With every eye closed and every eye bowed, just for a second. There's somebody weighing it out right now. I feel it in my spirit. Don't be afraid. In the last four or five Sundays, we've had somebody saved every Sunday, and maybe it was when we were walking out and they grabbed a hold of us. Like Rick, last week. Where are you at this morning? Are you ready to meet the Lord? He's coming. Are you saved by grace? Are you a moral man or are you a spiritual man? Are you saved, truly following Jesus and the power of the commandment, the great commission? If not, I want you to come. I'm not gonna hold much longer. Is there anyone? Okay, to the body now. If you wanna be a part of obeying God, seeing the manifestations of the glory of God in this place, and this place literally blow up. And I'm talking about blowing up. I'm talking about wall-to-wall people. And you wanna be a part of that. I want you to come and get, I want you to come to the altar, come make a commitment by coming. And a crowd in here, this is what we're going to do. We got some fishing license. We want you to sign it, put it on your refrigerator where you can look at it and you'll look at that and every day I've got a license. That's a challenge for me to fish for men. It's got the Fish for Men logo on it. It's a commission by the Holy Spirit on this very day. You're making a commitment to this. This is what you're doing when you take one of these. When you sign it, you're making that commitment. Come closer. There's a lot of people trying to get to the altar. Scatter out. Some of you just come up here on the stage. Some of you up here come on the stage around me. It's okay. Don't be had no straight stage fright. Come on up. Chuck, come on up, y'all guys. Just pile in here, guys. Give, give them some room. It's all right to stand on the stage. This ain't sacred ground. It ain't no sacred than it is down there. Amen. Come on, guys. Can I have you? Jimmy, y'all, y'all, all y'all guys, come on up. Come on up here. Come on up on the stage, as many as can. Yeah, thank you. Come on, George. Our youth pastor helped design this. Zach's just an awesome guy, isn't he? He's also one of our bait cages. He's just catching a little different type of fish. He's probably catching the hardest fish that there is to catch. Teenagers with all the distractions with all the pull of the world upon them and you're in your youthfulness. I know one thing, I thank God I'm not a teenager in this hour. I thank God I was a teenager back in the day when I grew up. Oh, there's so much less temptations back then than there are now. There's the availability of everything. It's just there. And this man's at war for your children. Well, I don't know, I thought I'd seen him up here. Where's he at, Zach? Oh, okay, he's got the cards, got a team, he's going to pass them out. If you don't get one, look around. There's somebody in your area that's got one. I want you to take it. I'm going to ask Josh Reasons to come up here for a minute. He's another bait cage. He's after the young adults. He's the pastor of the young adults, you might as well say, and the discipler 
of the church. He takes those from the college age all the way up to whosoever will, I guess. Amen. But he's got a specific age group that he ministers. That's his main go. I want him to come. I want him to pray over you. I want him to give you a commission. Anthony, I want you to come up here with him as our men's director. What a heart. What a man of God right here. I want you to hold his hands up as he does the commission on one side and me on the other. And we're going to just believe God that this harvest is going to be won by this body in Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. And Lord, we're truly living in the last days. The commission has went out by your word and from our pastor, God. Holy Spirit, we're just praying and believing that you would empower this body, that a conviction would fall on every person here to see the importance of eternity. Not just for themselves, not just for their own family, which that's priority, but God, for those that they work with, those that's in their extended family. God, that they would be lights set upon a hill that would draw people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God, I'm believing that people are going to operate in the fruit of the Spirit, that the fruit of the Spirit is going to be a drawing card, that people are going to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, that that's going to be a drawing card. God, that people are going to see the gospel lived out in front of them, that they will come to know Jesus as a result of the kind of lives that we live. God, commitment's been made. We've taken the card. We've taken the pledge. We're doing it as a symbolic action that we take this personally, that we take it as a mandate of heaven, that it's our job, that we are commissioned to grow the kingdom of God. If you're in here and you believe that's your role, would you raise your hand right now all across this place? God's commissioned you, church. He has empowered you, church. Go in the Spirit and empower and accomplish God's will. Build the kingdom. Let's populate heaven. Let's depopulate hell. Let's destroy the works of the enemy in this day and time. We want to stand before God one day very soon where he looks at us and he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. This isn't a big thing in the grand scheme of things. Tell people the news. Tell people the gospel. Let's grow them. Let's mature them. And let's send them out to also bring people in. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, be with us as we do this. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody say amen and amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Come out tonight. we got our special events. We know you're going to be blessed to the Lord. Amen.